Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, July 14th. If you're watching everything, did you really watch anything? That's the question all of us tennis fans are posed this week as we try to grapple with three different WTA events, three different ATP tournaments, four ATP challengers, countless other ITF events as well. Of course, from a fan perspective, that's exactly what we want after having no tennis in the summer of 2020 to have a full schedule on our hands. No hangover from the 2021 Wimbledon, the pro circuit rocking and rolling once again this week, of course, on today's podcast. I want to help make things a little bit easier for all of you listeners. I want to keep you up to date on everything that happened on Wednesday at both the WTA and ATP tour levels. Of course, later this week, we'll dedicate a podcast specifically to the challengers. And of course, every Monday, our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro cover all of that challenger action on our Great Shot podcast feed. And by the way, if you haven't already, go check out the Great Shot podcast. I had a fantastic conversation this week with former WTA media czar, now an extended member of our Tennis Channel family here, as he is an editorial producer for both Tennis.com, Tennis Magazine, Tennis Channel. Our friend David Kane joins the show to name some of the most interesting WTA players to watch this summer. We talk Sabalenka at his request, actually not mine, but of course, you know, I'm always down to do five to 10 minutes on Sabs. We talk Rabakina, Kennan, Kostyuk, Bedosa, Konya, a bunch of other fun names as well. It's a fantastic conversation. So fun. We ended up dividing it into two parts. You can find both of them now on the Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, I mentioned David Gertler. Uh, he is going to be joining me later this week as well on the GSP feed to talk that challenger action. And of course, to break down the 
larger scene right now in the American tennis world. Feels like it's a good time to take stock with so many young men and women rising up the rankings and so many established veterans at different crossroads in their careers. Guys like Jack Sock, Dennis Kudla, Steve Johnson versus that generation even older than them, Query and Isner. So again, all of that content on the Great Shot podcast feed. And of course, you can find all of it always on our website, CrackedRackets.com. We had an article this week from our friend Damian Koost talking about the dearth of one-handed backhands right now in the women's game. If you want to read more about that trend, again, all of that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. But on today's podcast, I want to talk about all of Wednesday's results. Of course, the reason I'm able to do that day in, day out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family. And I hope you guys don't get sick of hearing me say that. Perhaps you do. Perhaps you already hit the skip 30-second mark and you're not even listening to this portion of the podcast, but sincerely to all of you out there who keep tuning in day in, day out. Thank you for your support. It is eternally gratifying to us here at CRHQ. Of course, thank you to our Patreon members who support everything we do and, you know, who I hope are enjoying our match of the day bonus content that, of course, is me breaking down my favorite match on any given day in the tennis schedule. Those are usually Mondays and Fridays. We'll say twice a week because sometimes the days vary, but nevertheless, thank you to them for their continued support. And then, of course, thank you to the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. I'll keep it brief. Tennis-point.com, the promo code CR15 gets you 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's talk about the action we saw unfold on Wednesday across the professional tennis world. I want to start on the women's side in Budapest because my match of the day coming into the day was on the women's side. Now, ultimately, I think it was Brooksby's three-set win over Kudla that delivered the A, most entertaining tennis, and B, most significant result. But the one I thought I had both on upset alert, but a player who I talk about extensively in that said aforementioned podcast with David Kane is Anna Konya who though unseated, according to Tennis Abstract's forecast for this week's event in Budapest, was the favorite to win the tournament. And in her second round match, round of 16, she took on top seed Yulia Putinseva. Now, Putinseva is someone who's hovered in the top 50, top 40 range for the past couple of seasons. And you look for Putinseva now, you know, it's been an up and down year. The 26-year-old currently ranked number 42. She's, I believe, you look over these last 52 weeks, uh, Putinseva now uh, over Overall, she is 26 and 20, but you look for her here in 2021. It's been a little bit more up and down. 16 and 15, she had a three-match losing streak coming out. Strasbourg quarterfinals, Roland Garros first round, first round qualifying in Eastbourne. She also lost three consecutive matches. Billie Jean King Cup playoffs, then first round Madrid, first round in Rome as well. Clay courts were typically a surface she had had a ton of success on in her career. And in fact, if you look overall, she's 112 and 69 on on clay courts for her career. That's a 62% win percentage better than her 56% overall in tour level matches. She has a 59% win percentage on clay. You thought maybe she'd take advantage of that portion of the year, particularly given how wide open each and every event has felt. And you look for her, it was a tough draw at Roland Garros. First round, she ends up losing to Own Jabour 7-5-6-2, and obviously that's just unfortunate, and, you know, she's not able to play Wimbledon, the main draw of that event either, but 
You look for Putin Seva, she's back out on the court, and she gets one of her best wins of the season, certainly here in 2021, a 6-4, 6-3 victory over Konya. Now, this was a match that featured a healthy amount of break of serves. There were overall in the match 19 total games. There were 10 total breaks of serve. So we're breaking serve over 50% of the time. Putin Seva ends up winning 54% of her return points for the match. Konya was at 48%. Putin Seva did a great job of being aggressive with her return of serve, of changing directions with her return of serve. And, of course, Putin Seva is a player with such a broad toolbox, you know, broad selection of shots and different uh, skill sets she can turn to. She can play slice. She can play angles. She can play moon ball. She can take your pace, absorb it, redirect it. She can, you know, go down the line when you're not expecting it. Now, obviously, as the stats indicate, and if you watch this match, Konya, when she was able to dictate it more often than not because her first serve percentage was only 50%, the best opportunities for her to dictate came, A, when she made her first serve and she won two-thirds of those points, but B, when she got a look at a Putin Seva second serve. Now, the good news for Putin Seva, she made 64% of her first serves, and she held Konya to 9 of 36 on second serve points. And that's the thing for Konya, who is still working her way back into WTA shape and to the WTA level uh, sort of fitness that she needs. And again, the sort of nuance of footwork you need as well when you're playing these sorts of players. But, you know, she's 41 and 21 in her last 52. But, of course, not all of those have been at the WTA level. You look overall in terms of tour-level match. She's actually played 39. That's a pretty good number over the last 52 weeks. But, again, you know, this result against Putin Seva comes after a first-round three-set win she earned. And so, you know, still finding her footing. Nevertheless, impressive win for Putin Seva. Smart of her to, you know, again, go pursue this clay court event well-situated in between the start of the hardcore summer and the end of Wimbledon. And, you know, again, this is the sort of confidence-boosting win she needs heading into a hardcore summer where she's got some serious points to defend, but she can absolutely do some damage as well. Putin Seva into the quarterfinals. Joining her on Wednesday uh, is Kozlova, who knocks off number five seed Bogdan, 4-6-6-4-6-2. Danilovic, 4-3 over Barra. And then Omra Chea, a 6-1-7-6 win over Jorovic. You look now in the draw right now uh, moving forward again. They've they've dealt with some rain really everywhere this week, but round of 16 matches scheduled for Thursday. Former top junior in the world, Dalma Golfi, taking on Anna Shmadova. That's much CTV. Sasnovich taking on Udvardi Kalanina versus Para. That match is destined to go three sets. And then you know, someone we didn't talk about with David Kane, but someone I'm keeping my eye on headed into this hardcore summer, Danielle Collins. We know how dangerous she can be. Grand Slam semifinalist and that sort of power tennis when she's clicking, when she's feeling confident, swinging freely, she can dominate anyone. And so, you know, again, for her to play this event, she's the number two seed, gets two very winnable matches, wins her first match 2-1, and one, now has a match against the wild card, Rekaluka Yani of Hungary. It's a very winnable match for Danielle Collins, so certainly another quarterfinal for her under her belt this season would be very much enjoyed, and of course she is on schedule to play on Thursday as well. All of those round of 16 matches scheduled to rock and roll. The match, I, I just feel like Para and, and Kalnina is going to be the most entertaining. I feel like that match, again, destined to go three sets, but Shmadova Golfi, again, Danielle Collins in action, Sasnovich in action, should be a very fun day of play over in Budapest. 
list. Let's move on now, though, to the action happening in Prague. You look, again, we're set it up. Round of 16 uh, matches uh, scheduled for Wednesday. Katarina Sinyakova wins uh, a second day consecutively. This time, three sets, but she ultimately scraps her way out. 2-6-7-6-6-3 over Smithkova. Again, Sinyakova doesn't have those massive weapons, but a really, really well-rounded game. I talked about her extensively yesterday, so I won't repeat myself today. But she's absolutely one to watch. Everyone's one to watch on the WTA Tour. If you're inside the top 75, it means you probably had that one outstanding week. And everyone's had one outstanding week this year. It's what makes the WTA Tour so exciting. But, you know, speaking of outstanding weeks, way to go, Grace Min. 3-6-6-1-6-4 victory over Stojanovic. Grace Min was one of the top, you know, juniors in American women's tennis dating back to, you know, my, I suppose that was more around my time, but you, you look for Grace Min. I believe she was a junior uh, U.S. Open singles. And I want to say that was 2010, 2011-ish. Let's look this up. 2011, I have it in front of me now. She also won junior girl, uh, Wimbledon girls doubles title that year. She was someone who had a lot of expectations uh, on her shoulders. And look, you you know, she peaked, uh, it was, was top 100 back in 2015. And, you know, again, has hovered around that top 200 range quite frequently over a top 200 top 300 range over the past few seasons so for her to get to a WTA quarterfinal here uh, at this event in Prague that's obviously huge for men and Tanakov Stajanovic who has had impressive form here this year as well uh, in, in another impressive win for the now 26 year old Amer- uh, 27 year old excuse me American and you look for Grace Min. when was the last time she made a quarterfinal at a WTA level event I'm glad you all asked. For Grace Min, this is her first quarterfinal since 2014 at the WTA level, and she ended up winning that match. But by the way, that was her only other quarterfinal. So to get this result at age 27, she's currently up to, uh, she's currently at number 181 in the rankings. But with this victory and with her quarterfinal performance here this week, uh, Grace Min now back up into, I believe, I want to say the top 175. She is indeed up to number 166. You're getting into Grand Slam qualifying there. You don't have to worry about that. Well positioned for this upcoming hardcourt summer, but that was your big uh, upset on the day. Martin Sova, the number eight seed, three and four win over Asia Muhammad, and then Kuzmova, a four and five win. She ends the run of Sremkova. Those were your round of 16 matches on Wednesday. You've got the other half scheduled to go here on Thursday. It's going to be Bonaventure taking on Kretschikova, talented young Chinese woman, Xinyu Wang, taking on Inshua Liang. You've got Hrit Minin, uh, I believe, taking on I, I, Gasanova, and then last week's champion, Nerapurias Diaz, taking on Storm Sanders. That's where we're at right now in the action in Prague. One other WTA event happening in Lausanne, Switzerland this week. You look at the results we saw here on Wednesday. Big upset belongs to, uh, I believe, I don't want to say her name incorrectly, so I always apologize, but Marina Zanevska of Belgium, the 27-year-old, knocking off your third seed in the event, Jill Teichmann, in a three-set victory. 
Uh, look, for Teichman, she struggled a little bit this year after playing so well at the start of the summer, or uh, at the start of the Australian summer, and she ends up making the finals, I believe, uh, at one of the events down under, I believe, that second week. I, I don't remember the title. There were so many different titles, but Teichman was playing really, really well, and, you know, she came out and made the finals of Lexington to, uh, at the start of the restart last August, and, you know, had won a clay court title in her career and had success on that surface, and you'd think this is a very winnable match for her, but no, just right now struggling with her confidence, struggling to find that first serve and struggling to find the forehand, move the ball around the court. Her game so predicated on precision. When you lose confidence in that precision, it's tough to execute. Now again, credit to Zinevska, and this was a match that featured multiple rain delays. Very, very broken match, but ultimately Zinevska able to advance. So Teichman, one of your seeds knocked off. You also saw number six seed Aranksa Rus knocked off seven six five seven seven five by Arakimova in terms of the other seeds who played on the day. Jasmine Paulini, a three-set win over Gramatica Paulu. You also saw a win from number five seed Caroline Garcia, two and two over Dolgaru uh, to advance to the round of 16. Now your non-seeded winners, mixed results, former, the co- former college uh, all-stars, Astra Sharma, another great victory for her. Three sets over Christina Pliskova to advance to the round of 16. Francesca Di Lorenzo takes the first set before ultimately dropping the next two to Stephanie Vogel. 3-6-6-2-6-2, but that was a match we thought might be exciting, and it was. And then finally, uh, you had Manila straight set win over Gracheva to get us to the round of 16. And Lausanne has been the tournament that has experienced the most rain, so they are a little bit behind. I believe they've got to play all of their round of 16 matches on the schedule on Thursday. We'll see if they're able to get through them because I believe there's more rain in the schedule uh, on tap for the action in Switzerland. But, you know, some some pretty fun round of 16 matches across the board. Uh, you've got Zdanzic, your semifinalist, taking on Manila. You've got Bronzetti taking on Blinkova. You've got uh, Zinevska taking on Vogel. You've got Vizcalenseva taking on Paulini. Garcia taking on Sharma. Diaz, Georgi, Rakimova versus Burrell. And then Parks versus Faro. So it should be a very, very fun day of action on Thursday across the WTA Tour. And speaking of excitement... One of the things I've had so much joy doing on these past few weeks of podcasts is introducing all of you listeners to our new friends over at Manscaped. Now, is it ever exciting to talk about your below-the-waist grooming techniques, to talk about how frequently or how infrequently or whatever it is you're doing down there? No, it's not something you commonly talk about. But if you want to feel comfortable about your habits, if you want to ensure you've got the best equipment possible to put you in a position to succeed when you're doing whatever it is you do, with your below-the-waist grooming techniques, then I want to introduce you to our friends over at Manscaped, who are the best in the world in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, folks, the Lawn Mower 4.0. That's right, not the 1.0, not the 2.0, not even the 3.0. We're at fourth-generation trimmer, Lawn Mower 4.0. You can join the over 2 million men world Worldwide who trust Manscaped with their below-the-waist grooming needs. With our exclusive offer, you can get 20% off as well and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. That's NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. Again, you'll get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. Make 
shaving time, make below the waist grooming time, excuse me, your favorite time in the bathroom, manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. With that in mind, let's switch gears now, talk about the men's action, and in particular, we'll start at the 500 event in Hamburg because it is always so interesting, and I know our friend Judson Wall often tweets about his dissatisfaction with the scheduling here in Hamburg. He would like it to be a Masters 1000 event and like it to be a grass court event uh, placed more appropriately between the end of the French Open and the start of Wimbledon. I suppose that is a conversation for another time, but certainly they snuck this 500 into the schedule and you look thus far, uh, you know, so far pretty steady. Your only seed to fall, number seven seed, Jan Leonard Struff. Yesterday it was number one seed, Stefano Tsitsipas, kicking off his campaign, a comfortable 7-6-6-3 victory over Dom Kofer. Certainly hasn't competed in a couple of weeks. You could see that rust in the opening set. But, you know, Kofer, the lefty, you would think in principle, his serve, his forehand might give that Tsitsipas backhand trouble. It did not. Tsitsipas had plenty of time to find his weapons, plenty of time to get around that Kofer serve, hit forehand returns aggressively, and just plays an efficient match in this uh, one, particularly for his first match back. Again, Kofer's been playing some good balls. So that's a good win from Tsitsipas. Of course, Basilashvili withdrawing from... Uh, uh, excuse me, earning the withdrawal after Sebastian Baez unfortunately test positive for COVID. You also saw a victory from number six seed Philip Krajinovic ending the run of wildcard Philip Kohlschreiber. Really impressive first round win for Kohlschreiber over Munar. Krajinovic, a little bit too much forehand power, a little bit too much pressure on that Kohlschreiber backhand and his movement. Seven five four six six three. Krajinovic able to advance. Your other winner on Wednesday, Laszlo Jure, a seven six six one victory over qualifier Tego Sabath-Vild who earned a three-set win in his first round match over Nicola Kuhn. I talked about that match yesterday so I won't repeat myself here but you look at the draw where we are at round of 16 matches finishing up here on Thursday. You've got the Deuce, Dusan Lajevic taking on Alex Mulcan. You've got Carlos Taberner, talented 22 or 23-year-old Spaniard taking on Pablo Carreno Busta. A battle of the clay quarters. How many times have Albert Ramos and uh, Albert Ramos Vanoles and Federico Del Bonis played over these past few years. Feels like countless, right? If I told you they played at every round of 16 and every quarterfinal of the South American swing in 2019, you'd believe me, right? I think you would because, of course, that's what we have started. Uh, I suppose that's where we always expect to see these guys. And, of course, if there is a clay court event, you know they're going to try and sneak it in into their calendar for their career. This is their 13th matchup. Federico Del Bonis. Eight and four against Albert Ramos Vinoles. So, you know, again, just worth noting. A little bit of an upset alert, I suppose. Ramos Vinoles, the seed, he's played better of late, but Dalbonis has had his number throughout their career. So that, I suppose, a fascinating matchup here on Thursday. Then, of course, you've got Benoit Pair, who's the number eight seed. But honestly, on recent form, he should be the underdog against Juan Pablo Varias tomorrow, the talented qualifier, who has been one of the challenger superstars here this season. So that's where the action's at right now. Again, it's a 500-level event, so certainly for guys like Juan Pablo Varias, certainly even for a guy like Albert Ramos Vanolas or Federico Del Bonis, you can rack up some serious points here this week with a run to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and 
you know, again, these guys are one match away from that quarterfinal round. So keep an eye on Thursday's action in Hamburg. You've also got 250 action happening on the grass courts. Final ATP level grass court event of the year, of course, always happens in Newport. Because why would Wimbledon be enough? We absolutely need one more. And, you know, yesterday was a good day for the big servers. You look across the board, the only big server who got upset, I suppose there are two of them. Vashik Pospisil, I would say, the only one upset by Jason Jung, go blue as, uh, excuse me, Vashik Pospisil upset by Peter Gojevic, 6363. Jason Jung did pull off an upset, but it was over number five seed, Tennis Sandgren. Sam Query loses 6-4-2-6-6-2, but it was a match that featured pretty much exclusively shot, uh, points that win within four shots. Max Cressy, the former talented standout at UCLA, 6-6-6-7, just bombs, serves, and volleys. This game perfect for these Newport courts. You look in the match, Cressy hit 16 aces. Query hit 10. Cressy goes 40 of 49 on first serve points. Query 27 of 34. The biggest difference in the match, Cressy makes 60% of his first serves. Query only made 47. That was the difference. Cressy's first serve can be dominant. It was clicking today. Put a ton of pressure on Query. Obviously, the surface helps. But Cressy advances. Quarterfinals for him at this event in Newport. Another battle of the big servers. Sasha Bublik, three-set victory over Ivo Karlovich, 7-6-4-6-6-1. He advances to the round of 16. Very fun tangent coming up on Sasha Bublik with my friend Jeff Sackman. That'll be a great shot podcast that drops on Monday where we talk. I don't want to give away the topic, but you'll be entertained by our thoughts on Bublik. So again, keep an eye out for that podcast, Bublik 7646661. He's hitting his stride, folks. He actually, he really is good. Like he can just do a, he's super, super talented, but we've discussed him enough. I'll save that conversation for another time. One of the breakthrough stars, one of the most improved players of this 2021 season, Jordan Thompson, 0-2 over Sagita. Kevin Anderson, he's looked good this week. 5-6, hold serve uh, against Sebastian Ofner, who I'm still holding hope on. The two big wins for the Americans. Jack Sock, 2-3 over Yoshihito Nishioka. You look for Jack Sock now, 19-10 in his last 52. Wins the challenger in Little Rock. Also makes quarterfinals in Orlando. Uh, ends up, you know, making it through qualifying in Roland Garros, knocking off Riley Opelka before losing to team back in 2020. He finally looks healthy. He finally looks fit. Only ranked number 231 right now, but with this quarterfinal appearance in Newport, his first quarterfinal, I believe, since he won the Paris Masters all the way back in what 2017. I want to say Jack. Sock now with this result back up to number 203. One more victory here would get him all the way back up to number 182. Will he get a wild card into the U.S. Open? If he performs well enough over the summer, it's absolutely in the cards. Will he get some qualifying wild cards perhaps into a Cincinnati or into a City Open or into an Atlanta? Absolutely in play for Jack Sock. He's one of the 10 biggest draws right now in American tennis, men's or women's side. I discussed that at length on a Great Shot podcast with David Gertler. Sorry to keep repeating myself, but... You know, again, I think he's back. Serve looks good. Forehand looks good. Hitting through the backhand confidently. But most importantly, I can't remember the last time I saw Jack Sock move this well, this fluidly. And yes, there's some strategic energy conservation, I'll call it kindly, uh, for him during the course of matches. But 
That's always been part of the Jack Sock package, and that serve, that forehand, they belong in the top 100. They belong competing amongst the best of the best at the ATP level. He is into the quarterfinals, the weapons, the serves, just too big for Nishioka, particularly on this surface where his serve and volleys he sneaks in work oh so well. He is on the rise, and then... This is not new news to anyone, but perhaps you've forgotten just because we haven't seen him as much of late. Jensen Brooksby's here, folks. 30-5 and five now since coming back to the tour in February. He's won multiple challengers now into an ATP quarterfinals. He knocks off Dennis freaking Kudla on a grass court, 6-3-4-6-7-5. He just truly death by a thousand paper cuts. The way he moves the ball around the court, you never know exactly what he's going to do. The grunts, the groans, the fact that he he doesn't appear to be the quickest guy in the world, but he just gets to everything. And his 6'2 length, it's like sneaky. He's actually like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4"-ish, like probably 6'3", but just sneaky good length that helps him track down everything. And again, his ability to absorb and redirect, it works on this surface. He keeps you uncomfortable. You don't think he's going to get there, so you start cheating over, and then he sees you cheats over and at the last second blasted by you down the line and just you know again this match against Kudla was sloppy it was not the prettiest grass court tennis in the world but that's what Jensen Brooksby does he mucks things up he plays high percentage made 68% of his first serves and won 70% of his first serve points and I think he's got sneaky good pace and that's the low-hanging fruit too because it feels like his serve is going to get better as he grows into his body as he continues to fill out so I mean, to beat this, again, Kudla only made 51% of his first serve points, only won 41%, uh, only made 51% of his first serves, only won 41% of his second serve points. It was not the best service day for Kudla, who clearly there was some after effect from the incredible match he played against Stevie Johnson, but it's not an excuse. Brooksby beat him, and Brooksby just does not beat himself ever. He forces you to take the match off of his racket and, you know, to to play to win, to play to beat him. Unless you have exceptional top-level firepower, it's really, really difficult to do regardless of surface. I'm so excited to see Brooksby compete this summer because he will get wild cards, deserved wild cards with the success he's had at the challenger level. And then, you know, just again, he stopped, stopped by injury more than anything else in 2019 and 2020. He's going to get a wild card into a Western Southerner, into a uh, not a Rogers Cup, but into the U.S. Open, and it's not going to surprise me if he wins around. You look for Jensen Brooksby, tennis abstracts. Uh, Elo rating has him t- uh, thirty, I think three overall. Twenty twenty one has him like thirty two overall. Right now, uh, you know, again, it's it's all challenger level matches, but the only sample size we have for Jensen Brooksby is success. Want to see him tested against higher level competition. Want to see physically how he holds up against that, you know, higher stress, bigger pace, tougher speeds, etc., etc. But I'm excited. He he's earned that right to be tested, and that is the next step. That is the question we need answered. We know, okay, Brent, Jensen Brooksby's really freaking good. How does he compete against the best of the best? And so, again, another fantastic victory for him into an ATP quarterfinal makes the quarterfinals here at Newport. Though that again is your big result, uh, or your big results. Those are all of your results, I should say, from the round of 16 in Newport. You look for the matches on schedule here on Thursday. You've got. All of, or you've got two, excuse me, of your three quarterfinal match, uh, of your four quarterfinal matches. I forgot they split it up like this in Newport. It's Bublik Jung followed by Sock versus Anderson. Those are two very, very fun matches for me in particular, but uh, some fun doubles matches in there as well. But Sock Anderson, 2016 and 17 people are like, no way. Sock's playing Anderson? Two top tenors playing Newport? And it's like, oh, it's, it's 2021 now, but. 
no, two guys on the comeback trail, two guys who certainly can play better tennis than they have over the past 12 months, and two guys, whether it's injuries, so many different external circumstances, are looking to get back where they belong in the ATP rankings. So that's a fun day of action in Newport on Thursday. And then finally, of course, you have the action happening in Bastad. Uh, it was a good win for number two seed Kat, uh, Kristen Guerin, excuse me, 6363. He earns the victory over Pedro Martinez Portero. It just works for Kristen Guerin. Like the serve, the forehand, his ability to find that forehand, his ability to keep that backhand low, just. Again, super, super talented on these clay courts. There's a reason all of his success has come on clay. And, you know, again, he made the fourth round of Wimbledon as well. So you could have understood if maybe he was like, you know what? I'm not going to play this clay court event. I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to reset, refocus, recalibrate heading into the hard court season. But no, he saw an opportunity to gain some points. I'm surprised he's not playing the 500 in Hamburg because honestly, he has the level. Who outside of Tsitsipas, like he in Karen, he's on the level with Karendo Busta on a clay court. He absolutely could make the final, maybe even win that event if he plays well in said final. But instead, he elects to go to Bastad. And, you know, again, Pedro Martinez-Portero has been a rock star on the challenger level, has made a couple of second, third round appearances at the French Open over the past two seasons. Garen handled him with ease. 6-3, 6-3. That's a good victory for him. Good victory for Federico Coria, who is another challenge, clay court challenger superstar. Three-set win for him over Cecinato. He advanced to the quarterfinals now there was a bunch of rain uh and this was another event that was affected you did have two other round of 16 matches uh come to a close yesterday i believe uh those matches or maybe they're just yet to be scheduled because the schedule is just a little bit funky here uh but right now your quarterfinal match is scheduled for thursday you've got gambos taking on Savori, carbeas benia taking on fonini casparu taking on holger rune elias emer taking on Henry Laxton, and I know the results I am missing now. There were two other uh, results we saw unfold yesterday. One of them, Yana Konofman, 4-3 and three over Yuri Vesely, and one other one, I can't believe I forgot to mention this one, our guy, Arthur Rinderneck, former Texas A&M All-American, into the top 100 of the live rankings for the first time in his career as he earns a three-set win, 6-3, 3-6, over number four seed John Mailman. You look for Rinderneck, 61-31 and 31 now, a 663 win percentage since the start of 2020. During that time span, again, 61-31, and 31, he's won three challenger titles, made 11 total quarterfinals and 34 total events, including his first three quarterfinals at the ATP Tour level. Now, you see Arthur Rinderneck, the big number for him. He's held serve 84, uh, 5.4% of the time since the start of 2020. That number would be good for 11th amongst top 50 players. Of course, you have to adjust for his level of competition, but it turns out being tall helps in pro tennis. And the thing is, if you watch Rinderneck play, you quickly realize he's far more than a serve. He's another guy, sneaky good fluidity for his size, 6'5", 6'6", can absolutely wallop the ball off of both wings. He's good, not great volleyer, but has a good sense of when to move forward. And, you know, again, puts a ton of returns in play, can be aggressive with those returns as well. His game translates across surfaces. He belongs in the top 100. And all of this, of course, just continues to prove the theory. Future of the ATP Tour is tall. 
You can't teach size. And what that serve allows Arthur Rinderneck to do is have a degree of uh, of aggression in his return games and just play, again, a more aggressive game style than perhaps he would be otherwise afforded to be able to do. It's a really, really fun game style. And to see him progress from his freshman year at Texas A&M to where he's at now College tennis works, folks. Size works, folks. Fantastic results for Rinderneck. Impossible to feel anything but great for him. And again, he is into the quarterfinals here in Bastad. But those are your Wednesday results. Again, Thursday should feature some really, really fun tennis. We will be back then to recap all of that action. And again, if you're looking for more content, Interesting WTA players to watch. Great shot podcast conversation I had. Uh, watch this summer conversation I had with Tennis Channel editorial producer David Kane. Of course, we've got a pod with Jeff Sackman, a pod with Jerry Nathan, a pod with Ben Rothenberg. All scheduled. If you missed my crack interview with NCAA men's singles champion Sam Riffis, go check that out. We've got the other NCAA champions in the queue for next week as well. So we're rocking and rolling here at Crack Rackets. If you have missed out on any of our content, you can find it all on our website. CrackRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly. I am at GreatShotPod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15. But with that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gross. And you know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.